0: Jacob Ford, Editor-in-Chief of the Georgetown Public Policy Review, with Disraeli Smith, our editor um, for the interviews and the podcast team, and we are delighted and honored to have Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro from Connecticut with us today.
1: Thank you very much. Delighted to be with both of you.
0: We're excited to dive a bit more into sure. the the reasons behind the book, um, a bit about your past, um, but we wanted to just start um, by can, can you just give us a brief introduction about why you wrote the book, kind of the the main reasons.
1: What I focused on in the book and why I wrote the book was to tell the story of the value of the social safety net uh, in our society uh, and in our government, and what our government uh, does. And it's because, in my view, the social safety net is a reflection of the values of this country. It's just not a series of programs. Uh, but it, it, it really is about the moral responsibility, the social responsibility that we have to one another. In fact, that we are accountable to, for one another in our society. It's not every man or woman for himself or herself, but it is how we want to help people, especially when there are times of need. And that is at the center of the book and my experience in uh, battling uh, for that social safety net and for waging that battle. Uh, over the years that I have served in the House of Representatives.
0: And, and that leads into our, our next question. Over your you nearly know, three decades of experience in the House of Representatives, can, can, you, can you touch a bit on the current atmosphere? Uh, how, how is operating within the 115th Congress change from earlier Congresses? Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's certainly, and no one would argue that it's not, uh, the, the partisanship is not extreme. But how, how has it changed day-to-day operations? How policies are formulated? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you, you know what I found uh, when I began to investigate the social safety net. Uh, and, and by the way, this comes out of again my my parents both served in public life uh, on a city council in New Haven. Um, Uh, But they didn't write omnibus legislation Mm -hmm. or major pieces of legislation. What they did was make government work for people. And what I found when I went to the Congress, that's what I learned from them, that in fact the social safety net had been crafted by Democrats and Republicans. People in my view, and, and, and the book really lays out, it says these were not naive people, but they believed that as we were... Of uh, moving forward economically and industrially as we were growing, we also then were leaving people behind. And then, if you then crafted these social safety net programs, it not only helped the uh, uh, un- unfortunate, but it helped uh, uh, everyone in our society. Uh, that so that we stood on stability and on a, a better uh, prosperity for the uh, uh, for the future. Um, and that was. Uh, 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 when we begin to see the unraveling of the social safety net really goes back to Newt Gingrich. Mm When he goes, you know, 1995, talking about the contract with America, uh, uh, really trying to... uh, 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 eliminated school lunch program, block granting food stamp programs, turning Medicare into a voucher program. The whole contract with America, which we were able to reverse, I might add. We beat them uh, on this issue, but that was an attack on the social safety net. That's been followed by the Tea Party attack on the social safety net, and now we have what is, in my view, the most massive attack, which is from President Trump and Speaker Paul Paul Ryan, Um, so that those days, and I'll conclude my thought on this, is the the people who crafted that social safety net understood why they came to serve. And it was about making government work for people, creating opportunity, saying to people, if you are in need, there is a safety net that that will catch you. And whether they had different perspectives on addressing a problem, mm-hmm. when you look at McGovern and Dole who were on hunger, you um, can take a look at so many areas, um, Democrats and Republicans, that we had a problem in the country, we needed to resolve it. They were to do that. That is not the uh, uh, modus operandi of people in the Congress today. Uh, they decided that it should be obstructionist, that they should dismantle the institution, quite frankly, they don't believe in the institution, and uh, work very, very hard to undermine this role that government needs to play Mm -hmm. in people's lives.
2: Just a quick follow up on that. I know you spent a lot of time uh, talking in the book about Speaker Ryan and when he decided to be Speaker, he was uh, all about, I'm going to bring the, you know, order back to the institution and order back to the committees and go back to committee process and less leader process. Do you think uh, that Speaker Ryan really is an inhibitor to not only the social, you know, status, but actually making Congress work for the people again?
1: Well, I will tell you, if you don't mind me just reading, because I have an entire chapter on Paul Ryan. It says, Ryan's thinking about poverty. If you can only make receiving government aid onerous enough and humiliating enough, then people will opt out voluntarily, redouble their efforts to avoid hunger, illness, or being laid off. This is a slap in the face to the millions who do everything right, and still cannot get by. It is a betrayal of the legacy of good government in the United States. And I just go on to say the legacy, um, which I've defended for all of these years, and, and a vision for this country that uh, all Americans can support one another in difficult times and share in prosperity. That that thinking is a reality uh, in the uh, uh, in, in, in in the Congress. Uh, and uh, I, I think what the speaker, who is a uh, uh, he's smart, uh, he is congenial, uh, but th- the ability to uh, uh, forge uh, uh, a and craft public policy has not really materialized. Uh, and that may be the function of the division within his own uh, Republican conference. Uh, but has been not been able to galvanize um, a, a a public policy agenda that uh, uh, you, you know that he can put forward. Uh, but at the base of what kind of a policy a policy agenda he would like to put forward is what I have talked about, which is something that I can't support, and I think a whole lot of others would not be able to.
0: Support. A, a follow up. What would you say? And many of the supporters of Paul Ryan, mm-hmm. Donald Trump, they actively support measures to roll back these the social safety right. net that you talk about. Many of whom are disproportionately affected by those rollbacks. Right. So there, there, there's a strategy for dealing with the leadership, and then there's a, there's I suppose a different strategy for dealing with the everyday voters. What what would you say to that to that latter group?
1: Well, I think that. Y- I I think, and this has had to do with both uh, Democrats uh, and Republicans and voters. You know, the biggest economic challenge that we have today is that people are in jobs um, that don't pay them enough to live on, and uh, they're struggling. They struggle with putting food on the table, with paying their bills. They can't get their kids to school. They have tears in their eyes, and they're telling very bright young people, I'm sorry, we can't afford to send you you know, to uh, to school, they don't take vacations uh, vacations and they Mm -hmm. don't, uh, you know, retire. Uh, What they heard uh, and what was said to them was that, what have you got to lose? We are going to turn this around economically for you. Uh, They told people who had lost their jobs from trade agreements that uh, we're going to bring those jobs back uh, and we are going to do in. Uh, these agreements. We're not going to cut Medicare or Social Security. We're going to take care of the forgotten men and women. Now you translate that into what is happening now in the House of Representatives. We see tax cuts that will hurt the middle class, not help them. It will help the richest 1% of the people uh, in this uh, in, in, in this country. Uh, we see attacks on Medicare and Medicaid and on Social Security. So while there may be a base of people who are supportive of the, of, of, of the president, who may not be moved, but I think those who are seeing that their, their own struggle is not being assisted mm-hmm. uh, in any way, I think that they will begin to move away. And it's not gonna be a sprint, but it will be a, uh, a, a marathon. Mm-hmm. But I think every day in every way they are being shown that this is not an administration that cares about middle class families uh, or the poor.
2: Wonderful. Uh, the other tenant theme in the book is about faith. Uh, mm-hmm. You talk a lot about um, your Italian Catholic upbringing uh, and we're really interested in the chapter about politics and faith. faith right. uh, what, one of the things that we've seen, uh, you know, is uh, you know a sense of commonality on one side of the spectrum. Uh, but, you know, the other side of the spectrum of Roy Moore uh, you know, and e- e- evangelical Christianity and that aspect of re- the religious right, if you yeah. will, coming up in our communities, do you think there's any impact of uh, where we're heading towards from a faith perspective, not only in Congress, but public policy, and why do Democrats have, you know, aren't willing to talk about their faith as yeah. it seems as much the right is? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, look, I, I, I think that your values, your faith uh, infuses Public policy and politics, and what you do. Um, I, I will just speak for myself because uh, I always, when the press asks me what motivates you, Congresswoman DeLore, what makes you vote the way you do, or the issues that you take up, it's not the almost 28 years I've spent in the Congress, but it is about growing up in an Italian Catholic household, which is where form my values and faith is very important uh, to my life. I never imagined that when I went to the Congress that I would have to be defending my faith in any way. That occurred uh, in the 80s uh, when a Democrat, uh, uh, when Catholic Democrats uh, were being pilloried, mm-hmm. um, uh, particularly over the issue of choice. Sure. And uh, uh, it was very, very painful. Uh, there were places where uh, members were being denied the Eucharist, so people were searching for places to go. Nobody was we going to give up their religion. Um, me- some members were threatened with excommunication, etc. Uh, and so, that myself and others, and for myself, I found that I had to uh, uh, defend define who I am and define my faith and there were a number of us and there was both pro-choice and pro-life that came together and I helped to organize that, that group of folks to talk about what we stood for what we were about and that you couldn't pick and choose Um, what issues had to deal with life. You dealt with hunger, you dealt with war, Mm -hmm. you dealt with incarceration and with death penalties. You dealt with, we deal with a number of issues that are life issues and that you couldn't just pick and choose those that you wanted to be. And we dealt with these every single day and that we um, uh, uh, were we're not going to sit, uh, you know, stand to the side and not take this on. Um, uh, but I think you make a point. I, I, I think it's because I don't think de- Democrats think that they have to defend their faith, mm-hmm. that the Congress of the United States was not a place in which you had to defend your faith or to speak about it, that this was private, that it was personal. Uh, and uh, But my experience was, and I think it was good, and healthy. It was good for me, and I say that in, in the book that I was forced to stand up and defend uh, who I am and what I'm about and my Catholic faith and the social justice component of Catholicism. You know, going back to Leo the Thirteenth and Rerum Novarum and what we were doing about jobs and labor uh, and he didn't call it social security but a system that was gonna take care of older Americans. You know, and Franklin Roosevelt signed social security with I think it was Monsignor Ryan sitting next to him. So that m- my faith has, has a rich tradition and I was gonna stand up and continue to stand up and fight for that and let people know who I am and what I'm about.
2: Yeah, I think we're really thankful for that. You know, not only as uh, public policy students but you know as people who who appreciate our, our representatives standing up mm-hmm. for the, the right things and yes. fighting the yeah. good fight
1: yeah we have to that's mm-hmm. what people expect of us you know they really do and they have a right to expect it of us they say go there on my behalf mm-hmm. we're not here on our own you're just not here on our own mm-hmm.
0: in, in speaking to the constituents from Connecticut mm-hmm. it, it reliably a blue state hasn't voted for a a Republican president since 1988, I believe. Yeah. We're, we're dealing with a crisis and, and one of the, the theme for the Georgetown Public Policy Review for the year is uncertainty. And one of the, the themes that we're focusing on is the uncertainty in communication across policy dis- disagreements. In, in your home state of Connecticut and in policy discussions you have in the House, how do you go about making sure that policy discussions Against a loyal opposition, are done in a civilized manner. So often, I mean, weaponized conversations can be found in any
1: yeah, um, sure.
0: media, print, or Twitter. As we've seen a lot on Twitter. Whoa. <laughs> how, how do we? What What is like the first step?
1: Well, let, let me just say, take take Connecticut for instance. And I, most recently, a uh, and we have a Democratic governor. We have a state Senate that is um, uh, equally divided. And we have a general Assembly that is, is democratic but the Republican budget was just passed so this is a healthy debate yeah. they yeah. are <laughs> they are debating it and there is concern about the governors race and you, you know governor Malloy is not mm-hmm. running against is will we be able to elect a Democratic a uh, 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 governor and will be'll we be able to elect a general assembly uh, and a state house uh, because the the, the the budget has been such a um, a, a standoff. But the fact is is so that there is a lot of debate and a lot of discourse about you know what what we ought to do. And and personally, I have enormous interaction with the people in my in my community. I do office hours. I'm in front of a, a stop and shop or a, you know, large grocery store. I've been doing this since I ran for office, you know, to listen to people, listen to what they have to say. You do town hall meetings, you do teletown town hall meetings. Mm-hmm. You open up yourself to public discourse and you have that debate uh, because that is, 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 it's critically important. People will get a sense uh, sometimes whether or not they, even if they don't agree with you, they will say, well, OK, I understand where you're coming from and why you made your decisions on voting in this particular way. Or they need to know what I stand for. Mm-hmm. And, and I really do believe you know, that there really is in the state of Connecticut a very, very healthy uh, debate uh, and, and what, what our future ought to be and where we're going.
0: Yeah. Well, we thank you so much for your thank time. You. We, we know you you have a, a vote to get to, so we we, right? we will not hold you up, but we just want to thank Congresswoman Delaro for coming in. Uh, this is Jake Ford signing off with Israeli Smith um, from the GPBR podcast. Thank you so much, Congresswoman.
1: Thank you. I've loved being here with all of you. Appreciate thank it. you. Thank you.
2: Thank you for listening to this episode of the GPPR podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. For more content from the Georgetown Public Policy Review, check out our website at www.gppreview.com, our Twitter at GP Policy Review, or our Facebook, GPP Review. Thank you.